0: what is going on everybody welcome to waterfowl 365 presented by btbn it's been a six-month hiatus man how weird it's been not to be doing these podcasts i've uh i get messages all the time like one or two a week hey man when the heck is the next podcast coming out are you still doing them are you still thinking about doing them what is going on with it and it was just constantly the same excuse. I don't have time. I'm trying to allocate what time I do have to doing the things that I need to do. But uh, I got to make a commitment to doing at least one a week. I really do enjoy doing them. It was just a no more excuses type mindset. So I'm going to try to get back to doing at least one a week, maybe two a week. I just don't want to dive into the three or four a week that I was doing it. Uh, kind of took over life. Um, man, I wasn't even turning calls all that much anymore, so I got back turning a bunch more calls this year, um, going to the gym every day, that, uh, stuff that's super important, spend a little more time doing stuff with the kiddos outside now that it's getting nice again, um, and the sun's up a little bit longer, I find myself taking the dog for a walk and riding bikes and playing basketball and all that type of stuff with the kids outside, so, uh, we'll try to stay committed to doing one a week. Hopefully you guys are uh, enjoying the warmer weather returning. We had some weird snow in Missouri the other day, so uh, it was kind of a, a kick in the old pills because I turned off all the air to the house and it stayed, you know, that nice 62, 63. I woke up this morning and it was 48 in the house, and I uh, really don't want to turn the heat back on, so I hope spring is about ready to return, and yeah. Uh, get to do some of those fun summer activities i figured since uh we had channing on to start this whole thing and i haven't had him on in almost a year felt like just the natural fit to bring him back and kick off this thing again and uh talk to him see what he's been up to for the last year so without any further ado the first guest back from the six-month hiatus we started the quarantine chronicles together and it's uh kind of over now. So to wrap up the quarantine. Mr. Channing Korea. Channing, what is up my man? What's going on? Dude, it it's weird. We started this fucking Corona Chronicles a year and a couple months ago, the like the first pod, and now we're back after a 6-month hiatus. It just felt like the right person to start with.
1: It, it really was, wasn't it? That was when we first started.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I did the first one in November with you, and then we had like a five-month hiatus with that, and then started back up like right at the beginning of Corona, and I think this is the last time you were on.
2: Yeah, I know I had done, I want to say two with you, but it's been a
1: while. I know we had tried to do another one, and then I think you had deleted it or something on accident when you went to upload it, but it's Dude, been a while.
0: Yeah, we drink, I drank a lot of beers that day, I'm pretty sure.
1: it happens to the best of
0: us (laughs) you know when you get into the afternoon drinking on the day off it just gets real dangerous
1: it breeds creativity that's for sure
0: (laughs) so what the heck have you been up to man
1: not much really I've been in the shop on a mission feels like for months now that's about it other than chasing my kids around
0: well Uh, I know in in the last year man Like I said, there's been so much crap that has happened. I think the last time that we talked, I don't know if the episode got dropped or didn't get dropped. I think you had just won the call of the year with that damn goose call. I feel like we... Oh, yeah, the miracle call. Yeah, I feel like we put that episode out there. I'd have to go back and check on it. So that was like the last time that we had talked. And I know for a while you went back to the old corporate world and then pretty much said fuck this i'm not built for this anymore (laughs) and came back to call making full time yeah it was pretty
1: short-lived doing that and a lot of it too i mean one of the big reasons i left that world in the first place is because of the time that it took from me being with my kids and so at the end of the day whether i make as much money as i once did in that world or not is irrelevant because you can't get those years back when your kids are growing up So that was a short-lived venture. Between that and just dealing with some of the things that just boneheaded stuff, and I realized how much I missed being in the shop full-time. There's days where I don't want to be in here and, you know, I'm ready for a break. But those are few and far between compared to punching a clock for somebody else.
0: Yeah, like I can get that, man, because we've talked about it with other callmakers, and I know me and you have talked about it, like the burnout. Aspect and how you can do too much and get burnt out. It seems like when I see you slow down and stop just, like, cranking out calls five a day or whatever, it seems like the next call you come out with is some kind of crazy new thing that you've never tried before taking checkering on or freaking starting these little inlaid freaking calls or, you know, just going crazy with different stuff do you think that like that type of stuff keeps you more motivated and like dulls the boredom
1: it it absolutely does and that was another thing too whenever i got to where i decided to go back to the corporate world and i never planned on stepping away from call making it's just i wasn't going to do it full time anymore i was going to try and work on orders in the evenings and that snowballed on me quick i didn't realize how many orders i had and it was just impossible but a big part of it was the burnout too i mean there's only so many yellow cedar burl calls with abw that you can make before you're just numb to it and you (laughs) hate to take something that is your passion and turn it into something that you dread doing and i wasn't to that point but it was getting close to where i just didn't have the excitement that I usually do making calls. You know, you get excited to come into the shop. You get excited when you get blanks in the mail. When I stopped getting excited about the blanks that are coming in, then it was starting to be a problem. And so me knowing myself, because I did this once with doing custom furniture, I just got burned out on it to where I sold off every piece of machinery I had for making furniture just so that I wouldn't ever do it again that and so people couldn't ask me to build them anything (laughs) but um so when I started back full-time I've never still announced that I'm back at it full-time I think most people have figured it out by now but I didn't want to get bombarded with orders again by announcing it I just kind of eased my way back into it but I've done a lot of things aside from just the normal grind that has helped just tremendously uh The cut down slash hybrid call, that's something that I've worked on for at least two years. And I would never give myself the time that I needed to sit and finish getting that insert done the way I wanted it. So I'd play with it for a little bit and set it down and touch it again, you know, in three, four, maybe six months. So I dedicated time to doing stuff like that. I got that call where I wanted to actually, that was the only call I had on my lanyard this last season. Before I finally broke down and got the jig made um and aside from that doing the decorative stuff that's been big for me at least and not just those decorative style calls but like what you were talking about with the ducks that i've been inlaying in my normal call shape just trying to do different things with calls to get out of building the same call 250 times a year
0: yeah yeah you mentioned freaking ycb and freaking abw Man, there was a time early last summer that I think I did nine or ten of them in like a month and a half. And I don't do that many calls a year. I shoot for 100 to 150. And so when I did that, it was like every call I had lined up on the order books was all YCB and ABW. And it's like I'm trying to make every single one of these look slightly different. Because just just like you said, it's like, this material is awesome. It's beautiful. Like, it's going to make an amazing-looking call, but it's like, man, I, can, I can't be excited to build the same thing over and over. There's only exactly. so many inlays you can put into it. There's only so many ways you can mix up ABW and freaking YCB. And see, and that's the thing, too. At the end of the day, when you
2: get somewhere Creativity stops with
1: just trying to find a way to make a call not look identical to the one you just made. It's hard to get excited about it, but I also understand the customer standpoint too. I mean, a customer sees a call and they message you and say, "I want this exact same call." And I'll normally talk to them and say, "Let's. What do you think about doing this? You know, think about what we can do different to where it's still what you're wanting." A lot of times between the two of you, you come up with something that they like even more than what they were originally thinking. They're not call makers most of the time. You're getting somebody that just sees a picture, and that's really all they know. (laughs)
0: Dude, I like that a lot more than when somebody just hands me an open, a blank. They're like, hey, I want one of your calls. I'm like, okay, cool. What do you have in mind? And they're like, "Uh, just whatever, man. And I'm like, Okay, well, do you have, like, any dyed wood colors that you don't like? Do you have any type of hardwood that you don't like? Like, (laughs) give me some kind of idea because I might build something that I think is freaking wicked and a really cool combination. But you might hate it because it's so out there that I end up just turning, like, a standard color, you know, brown or natural dyed maple burl with freaking avw and it's like hey here's one of the same hundred that i've already built in the last year and you know i know it's going to knock it out of the park but it's not it might not meet your expectations of doing something different that you haven't seen
1: see and that's part of it i get excited too whenever they tell me that but i also i've been where with what you're talking about that's why the first thing i ask them is what's your budget you want to stay in because you don't ever want to catch somebody just completely off guard you know oh yeah but but i normally when i have those conversations i'll
2: ask the same exact questions too do you want something that's dyed or you want a burl or are you want a natural wood and then how crazy are you wanting to get with it <laughs>
0: right yeah, I don't want to give you neon green and blue <laughs> and some kind of crazy combination, you know, of uh, black ash burl. You know, something, black ash is getting a little bit harder to find. But, you know, something that's really nice looking call, but it's got these crazy colors. And uh, now you're stuck with something that you have no idea that you're going to like it. And the general market is probably not going to like the combination of colors. so it 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 makes it it makes it interesting
1: that too is
0: go ahead buddy you there yeah yeah go ahead
1: oh sorry i think we had a lag or something it's all good no i'm saying the flip side of that too is i'll get some customers that'll message me and they want something just off the wall that i'm trying to almost talk them out of (laughs) because i'm picturing it in my head and I, i get the being unique. and sometimes i'm wrong you know they turn out really cool But there's some things that, you know, taking a nice expensive burl and putting some funky colored acrylic in caps on it and a funky colored band and then, you know, there's some off the wall combinations out there. And then some of them, I can't remember who it is, they have a, oh, Brandon Banks, he's got that Black Micarta and Jade combo collection. Mm -hmm. I. I would have never thought that that would be a cool combo, but I've seen pictures of his for years, and it goes good together. And I'm not a jade or an acrylic fan.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way, dude. I bought some of that uh, Ferrari red acrylic because I had to try it, you know, because everybody's all about it. I made one Ferrari red call, and I'm like, sweet. Well, uh, maybe I'll use the rest of this four-foot freaking <laughs> rod to do some sleeving with, but I just don't like making acrylic calls like it, it it can be the coolest color in the world but there's only so many ways you can do a ferrari red acrylic
1: see and i actually made a call with that stuff that was the first time i because i've done very few acrylic calls i hate turning the stuff i mean it, i'm very open about that it sounds great and there's some cool looking combinations it's just to me for years i wouldn't turn it at all and i got to where i started doing it a little bit more and it's just I hate that gamble and if it's going to explode or not. Whenever mm-hmm. my tool catches, or if it's semi-transparent and I'm or transparent and then I'm sanding and polishing for three hours straight.
0: <laughs> well, I uh, I remember when I announced that round of the callmaker competition that I was going to do transparent acrylics, and I told Michael he had just gone out and he was like. We were talking about Ronnie, and he's like, I knew Ronnie wasn't a fan of turning acrylic, but he's not going to turn down a challenge. He's going to try it, because that's the way that Ronnie is. And uh, Meredith was like, yeah, no, Ronnie's not going to do it. dude. He's going to just flat out freaking quit and not even attempt doing it. And uh, he was super pissed about it, said he was quitting that night, messaged all the call makers, said he was bowing out. And I told him, I was like, don't be a puss, man. Just go for it. <laughs> and, like, two days later, he's like, all right, I thought about it. I'm going to try it. That night, he sends me a picture of one. blew up. Oh, yeah, that it exploded. And I was like, well, at least yeah. you tried. Two weeks later, sends me another picture of one that explodes. He's like, dude, I've made four of these freaking calls. I am trying, but I hate this crap.
1: Yeah, I remember that, too. I was giving him a hard time. <laughs> And I've heard people say use negative rate tools and this and that. I, I've never tried the negative rake. I've heard that they help with that. But it's just, it's a lot of headache. <laughs> I was a lunatic. And for whatever reason, at NWTF last year, I did a transparent uh, Coke bottle or something.
2: Mm-hmm, I and I that.
1: swore after that freaking call. And really the main reason I did it was just because everybody told me I shouldn't. <laughs> because I, how hard they judge the finish on acrylics so that's why you don't see very many with the transparency or semi trans in the competition I just want to more than anything see if I could do it
0: Yeah, well and especially if you're hand polishing it it's like that's the only way that I do it is hand polish it and there was a, a lot of training videos um, Mike had posted a training video about you know using the flame tips and stuff like that I was like, dude, I'm like, I don't do enough acrylic to learn how to do the flame polishing, and it's kind of like a a sense of pride if you can hand polish it. Like Derek, Derek is an, an insane person when it comes to it. He's probably the most judgmental uh, acrylic finish guy out there, you know?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I talked to Derek quite a bit too, and I've told him I don't know how many times he's a lunatic with that stuff to do that on purpose
0: all the time. But he loves it. Yeah. Yeah, some people are just crazy with it, man. But I'm the same way. If I'm going to use acrylic in a call, I want to use it in a way that accents the wood part of the call. Like, I don't want to make a full acrylic call. It's kind of like, you know, I'll throw ivory tips or ivory band or... I've been known to do transparent barrels with wood, you know, inlays and then a transparent tone board just to... Be crazy that's like my one my one signature thing I had a dude wait five years for me to build him a call like that he uh, he saw a picture of one of them that I built back in like 2015 early 2015 He's like I want you to make me that call and I was like no I don't want to I don't want to he kept buying more and more calls throughout the years and then I went on my little hiatus in 2018 In like the first five calls that I did in 2019, like it was like the sixth or seventh call and uh, I hadn't even talked to him in years and he jumped on Facebook within like five minutes of me posting it. He's like, all right, man, your money's in your PayPal. (laughs) I was just like, I haven't even posted it up for sale yet. And he's like, I know, but I've been waiting for a long damn time.
1: That's actually a cool story though, because I think I remember me and you talking about that call at some point, because I even told you that's one of the coolest acrylic calls that I've seen comboed with wood.
0: Man, go back. I got I, It's not my idea for sure. I definitely saw it and wanted that call back in like 2014. If you go on Bobby Hayes, his uh, I think it was on Duckland, I can't remember if it was on his personal profile. He built a set of like five of those a long time ago, and that's the only time I've ever seen that done. And uh, I was like, for the life of me. As soon as I figure out this call-making thing, I'm going to build one like that myself. So that was the whole entire goal set out for that.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely a cool combo. That's what I'll have people, even still today, people message me and ask me, you know, if what color acrylic I think would look good with this, and I'll still tell them That That's just my personal preference. If you ask me my preference... I'm going to tell you, it's not acrylic. Yeah. I like using different materials. I mean, that that surfite call that I'd done, that was after you and I had talked, because I'd never
0: even heard of it. Oh, well, yeah. Let's, I'd never let's seen go over a the back backstory Because I've had a lot of people hit me up, and I have like four blocks of that stuff coming in the mail right now. It, hell, it might be here today. I don't know. But uh, what I was doing was going through Instagram one night, and there's this guy on Insta... Um, really really cool follow he makes uh rings like bent wood rings and shit like that and it's uh zebrano woodcraft or something like that i know a lot of people follow him he's got like 100 thou 150 thou but he made this really cool ring out of surfite and i was like i've never even heard of surfite and as you know you know you had just done a fordite call and i had just done a fordite hybrid call like within a couple of weeks of that and I was like, I want to find something that's different. I saw that, and I was like, everything that I found on that internet for, like, the whole night, I spent the rest of the night scouring the internet looking for that crap. And it was all, like, inch-wide di- you know, inch crap. I was like, I can't make a call out of that. Eh, it's probably going to have to be a hybrid call. I don't want to do all that kind of crap. And me and you had talked about it. And I was like, ah, you know, I kind of kicked the idea down the road and forgot about it because I thought it was something that I wasn't going to be able to find. And then all of a sudden, three weeks later, four weeks later, whatever it was, you post that wicked call out of that stuff.
1: Yeah. And it, see, I did the same thing you did. Uh, after we had talked, I think it was, I don't know, it has to have been like five, six Yeah, it was like January,
0: February, something like that.
1: And I did the same thing. I was searching the internet. I was on freaking Etsy. I was on Instagram. I was messaging people that make stuff with it to see if they could cut a piece big enough for me. And I was like, okay, this stuff just doesn't exist beyond an inch in width. And I was running the same problem you were. And then I was actually talking to one of my suppliers I get Fordite from. And uh, I was telling him, I was like, man, I wish I could find surfite. I've been scouring the internet looking for it. And he was like, you should have just told me I have a massive chunk of it. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and so he cut it and sent it to me. And it's completely different as far as turning it than Fordite, which is come to be expected. I mean, it's not paint. But uh, it, it ended up being a pretty cool call
0: yeah yeah the color combination like because i've seen different Fordite blanks when i was searching and some of them have a lot of clear in it and uh, a lot of like transparency because for the people that don't know it's when they build surfboards you have the foam core inside the surfboard and then they take that resin glaze over it and they put the resin glaze over the surfboard and it builds up just like paint on the assembly line for cars so you have like every known color out there, but a lot of surfboards are just clear glazed. So for you to find one that had a ton of color in it is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it was. It was a neat point. Um, it has a lot of transparent colors in there too. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I have run into, so I've talked to a couple people after I posted that one that had messaged me other call makers that had started one and that's a, I had never seen it in a call before, but it turns out it's been done multiple times because after I posted it, I had other people tell me or send me pictures of ones that they had done. So somebody else had thought of it, Um, but a lot of people would run into issues with bubbles in it whenever you're turning it, Mm -hmm. which I did have a little bit, but not much, not like some of the ones in pictures I was seeing that they were sending them to me asking me if I ran into any of it. And it's just part of the process and that stuff drying. I mean, the air bubbles are going to come to the surface and pop.
0: Yeah, for sure. Did you sleeve it and clear or did you turn the tone board out of it?
1: So I didn't think about the transparent piece of that whenever I'd ordered it. and <coughs> It was an inch too short to do a non-sleeved call. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm actually going to do another one because I'm curious to the, how it's going to sound. It's dense. It's not um, an epoxy. It's, a, it's more of a fiberglass, but I'm curious to how it sounds. It, it's, it doesn't have flakes to it. I mean, to me, it's similar or close to what you would get from a cast acrylic. I just don't know how it's going to work with uh, the laminated pieces, essentially, is what it is. I mean, you're drawing a layer on top of a dry layer
0: yeah to me the problem area would seem like it'd be like the cork notch kind of like uh corian
1: see and that's i don't know i'm gonna have to try it it doesn't have flex to it but it's not quite as brittle as corian so yeah it's just one of those things curiosity's got the best of me so i've got to try it even if it shatters and goes in the box
2: in the shop
0: (laughs) yeah i uh i contact or i had another call maker contact me and said that, well, hell, it was Alan and uh, Alan, Gra- Alan Graves, I believe. I don't want to say his name wrong because I say Alan, everybody thinks Whitson. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Alan Graves. Oh, yeah, been,
1: yeah, I know Alan. Yeah, yeah Alan he, does
0: the uh, LA style calls. Yeah, he's been making calls forever. And he posted on there that he had some more of it. And I contacted him. And uh, I ended up buying all of it that he had. And uh, he was super cool with that process. But I have like a. Four inch by four inch by six inch piece coming in, like just a crap ton of it. So I'm gonna do the same thing as you are. I'm gonna try a bunch of different stuff with it, but it it looks like a wicked material, and it's just different. Man, everybody has done four die, and like you said, now that we've gone down the rabbit hole of it, there's been a couple of other call makers that have done it, but since I got in the call game, man, I have not seen it done very often. Yours is the first one that I can really remember.
1: See, and that's – i I've heard of a couple of them being done. They were – somebody – I can't remember who it was. They had said they had done one, and they were going to try to find a picture of it. But a couple other guys messaged me, and it was more so to ask if I had the problems with the air bubbles. and That's why they never finished theirs. So part of it – I got lucky with the blank, I suppose. But uh, I, bet I ended you- up sleeping mine with African Blackwood
2: because – I wanted to get the call done. If I would have bought another piece of
1: Ford IT use for that insert, I wouldn't have been able to line up the colors the way that I did.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't have been matching. It might have been running at a different angle and all that kind of crap.
1: Right, and if you look at that call down the side of it, I mean, even the tiny slivers of color, they run together. They match up. It almost looks like a marble yeah. the way that those colors are in there. So what I ended up doing... Was leaving it in African blackwood because even if I'd use a transparent uh, acrylic, which I don't have, you still would have probably seen the glue in there. So knowing that you were going to see it anyway, I went with African blackwood so that way there wouldn't be like little hints of glue in there. And I just I bead blasted the call when I got
0: done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that was my mindset with it was the transparency. Man, I had this really crazy idea. I guess it's not really crazy. I'm sure somebody else has done it and succeeded. Back, back in 2016, I had a bunch of extra Coke bottle. And I had seen somebody do a frosted Coke bottle with Coca uh, Coca-Bolo tips and band. And I was like, dude, that's a really cool looking combination. You know, it's just different. I was like, I wonder if I could do... And it was right after I got done with the transparent acrylic one. I was like, I wonder if I could do a transparent Coke... With a uh, coca-bolo sleeve, tips and band, and dude, the amount of air bubbles that went in between the sleeve and the freaking, you know, the coke, it was a nightmare. I took extra th- thin ca, like trying to fill in all the little bubbles like in between the gaps. It, dude, it was a sticky nightmare. I ended up throwing away, but. Yeah, I that, think you and I had actually
1: talked whenever you had done that because I think I remember you messaging me asking if I had any ideas to try to get that out of there.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's something that, it's like once you get that seal, right, where the uh, tone board meets, like you're done. Whatever's there is there.
1: Yeah, you're always going to have that problem too because if you've got a tight fit the way it needs to be, as you push that insert in, it's pushing glue that sleeve portion, Exactly. It's gonna. It's just. It's physics. I mean, you're pushing that through there. The air is gonna create basically like a vacuum on the other side. That's that air is gonna force it in there, and it's gonna find any low spot that it can. Even
2: to get a perfect fit, you would have essentially no glue in there. It'd be like a friction fit. Yeah. So it's just the nature of the beast with that stuff. You're never gonna be able to get
0: a seal where you're not gonna be able to see it. (laughs) right and it's like uh you can get away with it if it's frosty like if you go and bead blast the crap out of it you can kind of hide that but it's it's one of those i'm sure people looked at it and they're like why why would you think about doing that that just like it's that old saying it's like you were so busy thinking about if you could if you could do something you never thought if you should
1: (laughs) oh that's the story of my life i don't know how many times that i do that still I mean, Dude. I will literally in my head say, this is a bad idea
0: as I'm trying to do it. My my goal in life is for somebody to have to say, what the hell were you thinking?
1: Well, see, and part of it's just because I'm so hard-headed and stubborn that if you tell me I can't do something, then I'm going to break my back trying to prove that it can be done. Now, whether <laughs> it should be done or not is a completely different conversation,
0: but... Man, I got I got in trouble at my old job a long time ago. It was like the only time I've ever okay. Well, I've been in trouble a lot and uh, at, professionally, as a being an adult for doing dumb stuff. But uh, we were when I was rebuilding turbochargers. We would rebuild the same t- like part numbers, and they turbochargers all essentially are the same. There's some differences to some of them, but a lot of them build the exact same way, and we would do. 40 or 50 a night of them and justin the other guy that uh, i used to do the nfl podcast on here with me and him worked right next to each other we've been best buddies since we were like eight years old and we would do that was our job was to assemble this one part well we would do it you know like i said 50 to 60 times a night a piece and we got to the point where we would race all right we got bored with racing after a couple of weeks we did it for like five years and uh got to the point where i started doing it with my eyes closed and we could see who would build it using all these little tight tools and stuff like that assembling bearings in the turbine like housing and stuff like that doing it with our eyes closed well i had a turbo come back that had failed in the field on somebody's tractor and my number was on it and uh they pulled and specked out, like, two other ones, and they failed. And I was like, oh, crap. And I had to go up and see the big boss, and he's like, what the hell happened? What what were you doing? Like, what was wrong with the process? Because they were looking at recalling, like, 1,500 turbos. And I was like, oh, no, holy shit. <laughs> this is, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So they recalled 200 that were in the John Deere warehouse and had us tear them down, inspect them, and do it. And I sat with the owner of the company, uh, looking over my shoulder for two weeks, reassembling all these things. And no other ones failed the test. They all passed. But my big boss was like, what in the hell happened? What were you doing? And I was like, well, 100% honest with you, sir. Um, I was building them with my eyes closed to see if I could do it. And he was like, are you fucking kidding me? what in the hell were you thinking? (laughs) And it was just like a... He's like, I appreciate your honesty, but that is the stupidest answer I've ever heard.
1: It's one of those things, though. You can't really get as mad because it's the truth. Like, I used to have employees do just off-the-wall stupid stuff, and it was, what were you thinking? And when they would tell me the truth, a lot of times I'd have to keep myself from laughing, but... just off the wall stuff they were honest about it and I'll take that any day of the week I'm (laughs) the same way as you when I get bored doing something I'm going to find a way to entertain myself I remember getting in trouble once when I was at AT AT&T because we were supposed to be in a conference and I had me and like seven other managers I worked with playing roller chair football in one of the conference rooms and one of the directors from Dallas to come in As I was knocking somebody out of their roller chair. So he wasn't used with us being creative to pass the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it happens, man. And that's the bad stuff because your son's four or five now. He'll be five in August. Yeah, dude. And like my daughters are seven and six. And that's the same thing as a parent. Now that when my kids do dumb stuff like that, like I have to send them away. For a couple minutes, because I'm laughing and I'm like, I can't show them that I think this is fucking hilarious. (laughs) So I have to send them away. I went to pick up my uh, oldest from daycare one day, and her teacher was like, I need to talk to you first. And I was like, okay, what's going on? Did she fall down, push somebody down, hit somebody, put them in an arm bar or something stupid? They're like, no. She came out, pulled down her pants, mooned the class. And then I told her to pull her pants up, and that wasn't appropriate. And she ran around bare ass around the classroom (laughs) saying, you can't catch me. And I smiled, and she was like, it's not funny. And I was like, I know it's not funny at all. She is going to get a talking to. You can believe me. (laughs) I was like, are you kidding me? How am I supposed to discipline this child when I can't keep a straight face saying it?
1: Oh, exactly. And I've run into that. So my daughter's a sweetheart. She's an introvert. She's very caring. Complete opposite of me, which her being a girl, I'm completely okay with. My son is my clone. That dude is hell on wheels 24 7. And obviously, I mean, you got to parent those two different. But with him, I don't know how many times I find myself where I've got to do almost the same thing. And then on the flip side of that, sometimes, like, one of my friends' son is, like, six months younger than him, and they are two peas in a pod. Those two, if it's quiet and they're hanging out together, they're doing something crazy. (laughs) So, I went in to go check on them. Uh, We were grilling or something over at his house, and I looked in the room, and they're both up on top of the bunk bed, getting ready to jump off to the top bunk and land on... One pillow and a sheet they laid down to break their fall. <laughs> and I was like, What are you doing? No, you're going to hurt yourself. And he's like, I
0: didn't get hurt the last time I did it. I like, <laughs> it be- okay. So, next thing I know, I'm just
2: leaned against the doorway watching
1: him do it. <laughs> and I was like, All right, no more. We shouldn't do this just because <laughs> you did. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: I, I have to stop myself. It becomes Lord of the Flies, man. Because I have a eight, seven, and six year old now, and it's like, the survival of the fittest they come in they're whining about something oh somebody did this or somebody did that i'm like deal with it you're fine like i don't want to hear anything like don't be hitting each other but you know it's lord of the flies survive you'll be fine
1: oh yeah i don't know how many times i seeing that my son he'll crash his bike like face first in the road and all i'll hear is i'm okay i'm okay and i'll look over and he's like hobbling around
0: you're like, dude! Because you he, have no skin on your face.
1: Yeah, but he no—he doesn't want to hear me say, "I told you you were gonna get hurt." Oh
2: yeah. So it doesn't yeah. matter.
1: He'd have a broken leg, and he's trying to walk it off.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, that's that's the best, man. Like they just they crack you up and drive you insane all at the same time. Oh yeah. I that's had never uh, a dull moment. my garage door open the other day, and uh, I turned in my garage. I get, you know, the the girlfriend parks her car in her half of the garage, and then I get my side. I could either park a car in there or have my shop in there. So that's where the shop's at. And uh, I was working. It was nice outside. The kids were playing, riding bikes. The neighbors that live across the street have a kid that's in the same class. Like, all super nice. Like, it's that 1990s neighborhood feel where if you go down our street, you have a bunch of eight through 10-year-olds playing outside. Like what you don't see anymore, but that's our neighborhood. And uh the neighbor's kid came over and he's like, What are you doing? I was like, Oh, working on duck calls, buddy. You know this, you know, we've lived here for three years. Like, <laughs> we've done this, but he's eight, so of course he doesn't pay attention. He's like, Oh yeah, can I have one of those duck calls? And I was like, Well, you know, I can probably come up with something. He's like, I can pay you money. And I was like, Well. I can probably come up with something, you know, that I'm not going to charge you a bunch for. You know, throw a stuffer at him or something just to make his day and get him interested in it. And uh, his dad was in his garage working on his mower. And he's like, what are you asking over there, bud? Like, what's going on? And he's like, I was like, oh, he wants to have a duck call. And his dad's face just went like ghost white. And I was like, yeah, I don't really wish that kind of warfare on anybody to give an eight-year-old a freaking duck call that he can do whatever he wants with it. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, he was like, yeah, I would appreciate it if you didn't give him a duck call.
1: <laughs> yeah, my son will come and grab, he's got his own collection, and then he knows where they're at in the shop. And he'll come in, and it doesn't matter where I'm at, I'll be in the shower, and all of a sudden the door blows open, and he's walking around
0: blowing duck call with his cheeks poked out. <laughs> You're like, dude, you are killing me.
1: Uh-huh. I don't want to discourage him, but at the same time, like, all right, look, we're doing blow dog calls in the house,
0: unless I tell you. Yeah, yeah, you're going to make everybody else go crazy. So uh I saw a couple a couple weeks ago, a month ago, something like that, you had Brad Eldridge come out? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so him and I had talked about getting together at some point for – I guess it's been over a year now. Whenever he was first getting started, because he was, you know, calling me and messaging me. I tried to help him with the basic stuff that I wish I would have known starting off. And just stuff with, like, CA finishes and stuff like that. And uh, I told him, you know, if you're ever in areas, let me know. You can come by the shop. And it just so happened that he had to come this way for work. He ended up being, like, 45 minutes from me. And he was going to be here for a couple days, so... He came by the shop, and we actually had a pretty good time. I mean, we worked late. As soon as we got here, I put him to work. And I think we were in the shop until like 1 o'clock in the morning, two nights in a row, just trying to finish up that set that we had done. And then uh, I ended up doing a box and carving a Fordite duck and putting it in the lid of the box. So it was a cool set. It was cool to get to do something like that with another call major.
0: Yeah, man. Cause you're you're kind of in the same situation I am, where you're you're a little isolated out in no man's land. Whereas you know, if you have lived around uh, Jonesboro or you know Memphis or stuff like that, uh, you know, Kentucky, where there's all sorts of call makers within you know an hour of each other. I think Alan, uh, Will, and freaking Meredith all live within like forty five minutes of each other.
1: Yeah, I know they get together quite a bit, and then Tennessee. Um, there's quite a few guys there too, but as far as call makers in Texas, like Kyle Huff's only probably 45 minutes from me at that.
0: Yeah. But yeah. Kyle's that's another good work
1: schedule. But yeah. I love Kyle to death and him and I talked quite a bit. We try it a few times to, you know, schedule something, but with his work schedule, he'll find out like he was supposed to come over too when Brad was in town, but he ended up not being able to make it cause he was getting called out to work. So, basically, we'll get him over here in the shop to get together and spend some calls. But other than Kyle, the closest call maker to me that I know of is Scott.
0: And, and he's Scott and freaking I have talked, five hours away? <laughs>
1: uh, I think he's about three hours from me. Three, three and a half, something like that. But, I mean, in Texas, you can drive for 16 hours and still be in Texas.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's unlike anywhere else. It's insane.
1: Yeah, it, everything's a drive. But uh, him and I have talked about getting together and me going to his shop and making some calls together. It's just trying to find a time because his, even him with his work schedule, he doesn't get as much shop time even for himself as he'd like. So eventually we'll make that happen and him and I'll make some calls together too. Well, I Scott's got a really nice shop.
0: I didn't really, yeah, he just built, built it out a couple of years ago when he moved down there um i didn't realize he was that close to you he sent me a message the other day and we had talked about me trying to come down there and hunt with him last winter but it was so bad season-wise that i could not bring myself to go anywhere but i didn't know he was that close to you so if i come down there that'll be cool can uh arrange to come down to the shop and stuff too or you know all three of us get together but yeah i like scott a lot he's a good dude oh yeah for sure yeah that's, eventually we'll get up there but with his work and my schedule i mean it's just been a matter of trying to find something that works which is typically the case with most call makers unless you live right down the road yeah yeah for sure man and you know you guys had some weird ass weather how was your season this year did it not even see anything until the big snowstorm hit in freaking february <laughs>
1: yeah, that was about it for us. It, this would—I feel like I just had this conversation with one of my best friends. It feels like every year we're saying this has been the worst season I can remember. Like, it's just progressively getting to where we're seeing less and less birds. I don't—I'm not one of those. They're hot cropping up north and short stopping birds mindsets. But I do think that there's probably something more to do. I mean, you look at, I think we had even talked about it before, Oklahoma is like the new Arkansas the last few years.
0: Well, I know guys in Oklahoma this year that were saying that they weren't getting birds. Um,
1: See, you know, a lot of it depends on where you're at, too. Because, I mean, there's guys down around me that had success, but it did, they were just out in fields more than they were on the river and in the timber, which is where we hunt for the the most part i mean marsh timber that's about it They're, if you're going to be hunting you know farm fields out here it's going to be leased land and so i know guys that smashed them all season but
2: they were hunting and flooded corn and stuff like that
0: yeah and hunting pockets of birds like that was dude i i took a week off in december like the second week of December, you know, prime time in Missouri. That is when mallards start showing up heavy. And I think it was 65, 70 degrees. I stayed at home and turned all week. I think I went goose hunting twice. And when it goes from 30 to 40 to 70, back down to 50, down to, you know, 65, like the honkers don't even regulate when they're feeding and where they're feeding. So it just got to the point of, like, you know, well, yeah, mail it in this season. Hopefully it'll be better next year.
1: See, and we had a lot of days, too, where which it the weather that we need down here, like a bluebird day is terrible
2: for us, especially if there's no wind. Oh, yeah. Just because you're going to
1: get spotted so quick, and we don't have timber like in Arkansas that you can hug up against a tree like that where with them – Bluebird day is what they need for the ducks to see the decoys down in there between the trees, so it's a different ball game. But <clears throat> the weather was a big part of it, and it was just weird. I mean, uh, the opening day we, our opening weekend was our best hunt all season, but we
2: were also shooting redheads in three inches of water. Yeah,
0: that's so crazy. Was that that early November uh, where there? I can't remember what week it was, but remember it was super cold. I don't know what it ever got like way down in Houston. I mean, you're freaking 16 hours south of me, but we had an unseasonal like 40 degree temperature change the very first weekend of Missouri duck season, like up north season.
1: Yeah, we had the same thing, and it pushed so it pushed the birds down, which is what you hope for. We didn't have anything but divers, though. I mean, it was weird because you don't typically shoot divers and you know three inches of water no normally they're going to be out there in deeper stuff but for us the river that we hunt off of for the most part it was down almost you know half the season and like i've got a surface drive so i can get in there to a lot of it but there's places where it's normally ways deep and we're walking on dry land so they were able to get to food in a lot of different places, but a lot of it too, they were getting back into pockets that you just couldn't get to because it was landlocked all around it. So nobody could get in there to them. We didn't even see many wood ducks this year. Normally that's even if you're not seeing big ducks, you didn't rely on getting your limited wood ducks, but until the river came up, we couldn't get back to where they were. Once we finally could, we were getting back into them again. And then we went from the river being down to the river being up way higher than normally, is because we just got rain nonstop for what seemed like a month straight. So the weather definitely didn't do us any favors this last season,
0: yeah, we we just never got the push in my area. Like by Christmas time, we're usually starting to get like that's when it's game on. Like we don't even really focus on duck hunting until after like December fifteenth because, in Southwest Missouri, it's just not there yet. There's other places. I'm talking about my area, you know, of Southwest Missouri around Springfield and you know, within 50 miles of driving. But uh, it's just there's nothing there, and so we usually wait until mid-December to start really duck hunting because we'll start having you know nice days of uh, super cold breezes and freezing up. Like my favorite is when everything starts locking up. Because then I'm moving to the fields and I'm moving to the small creeks and stuff like that. The the spring ponds and stuff like that that just, you know, it'll be a spring pond that's a half acre wide and you're like, there's nothing that's ever going to come in here. It's surrounded by timber and then all of a sudden, you know, 200 mallards pour in. And it's like, oh, 200 mallards, you know, you're in Missouri, that's nothing. It's like, yeah, but when you have 600s and you're in a freaking meat grinder, 200 mallards will get the job done. And, uh, you know, that's usually what we live and die by, and it just never happened. But if you want to go three hours north in Missouri this year, they were holding tons of birds up by the river all year long. People were saying it was great. I was like, I just, when it's three hours away, you can't scout. Like... You can't drive. Yeah, it's not feasible. Yeah, you're like, hey, do I want to go take a week's vacation and scout for three days up there and hope to get on something that's not leased up and locked up? Because around that area, it's pretty damn leased up in Missouri. There's a, a lot of big money thrown around because everybody knows Missouri, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Kansas. I mean, that's where you go to kill mallards. Unless you're you know, fortunate enough to go hunt in Wyoming and Montana and stuff like that, where those guys are just wearing them out every year.
1: See, I lived in Montana for about a year and I've got family up there and it's a completely different world up there as far as hunting. <laughs> but the seasons stop so early too. And for, I mean, with everything, but they're also, you know, like blizzard, negative 40 degrees. By the time our season's starting to kick off
0: well and it's like texas montana is a big ass state like you can be in a part of montana it's kind of like going to north dakota everybody's like oh you're going to north dakota to waterfowl hunt you're gonna smash them yeah if you're in a certain area of north dakota or montana but you could be 600 700 miles away to where you're gonna be chasing elk and freaking grizzly bears you know <laughs>
1: Oh, and I've done it, too, because where my family lives is seven miles from the Canadian border. And so when I would drive from where I live in Texas up there to go visit, it's a 48-hour drive.
2: Uh, And it takes 24 hours to get to Denver,
1: which is essentially halfway. But you're driving from, you know, southeast Houston all the way to basically Canada. So the longest parts are Texas and Montana, unless you count how terrible it is to drive through Wyoming, because you get to look at nothing but antelope and hills.
0: Well, then, but, eastern Colorado is nothing. Oh, yeah, it's the same. I lived in Colorado for uh, 10 years as a kid. Where'd you live in Colorado? I so, uh, lived in
1: Denver for two years, but I basically grew up in Golden.
0: Where the hell is Golden? To the east...
1: That's right outside of Denver, essentially. It's where the Coors Brewery
0: is. Oh, that's not too bad. Dude, I went and hunted Colorado a few years ago with my buddy that lives like 10 miles from the Kansas border, and dude, let me tell you, there is nothing. I woke up that first morning after staying there all night, couldn't breathe because it's a, like I told him, I was like, dude, it is like terrible out here like he's oh, like it's a desert dry and elevation. yes he's like there's a de- it's a desert you they don't get any rain at all and that's his job is he's one of the guys that drives around to different farms and takes like samples and crap like that and tells them what they need for like uh, nitrogen nutrients so i'm not a farmer i don't know all that type of stuff but he's like it's a desert out here <laughs> he's like you wouldn't think about it because there's all this ag stuff around but it is a literal desert and that was some of the coolest hunting I'd ever been on because there's so little water. Wherever there's water at, man, there are thousands of birds at.
1: Oh yeah, I believe it. I mean, that's I grew up goose and pheasant and duck hunting there, and it was all in the agricultural areas, which now have blown up since then. You know, this is like '92, '93. Holy cow! Whenever I was there. So it's changed quite
0: a bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I can imagine Colorado. It's a very, very cool place to be at, but man, there's there's some uh, goofiness running around that area. It's very, very liberal. <laughs> yeah, and my I'm a Denver Broncos fan, man. That's my team. So it uh, it's like I want to root for the Broncos, but I don't think I could ever live in the state. Like Denver's cool, but I don't think I could ever live in the state because of the politics.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, which, you know, when you're five years old, you don't pay attention to what politics are going on or any of that. I remember hearing my dad complain about it when I was a kid because I was born here in Texas, and I was two, I think, when we moved there, and then we came back when I was 11. So all I had known was Colorado, essentially, because I didn't remember anything else and uh it took a bit of getting used to just being here after living there for so long and more than anything I was trying to get used to the hunting or the lack of birds and compared to what i was used to
0: yeah yeah so you grow up in colorado but now you're a damn cowboys fan
1: i've been a cowboys fan since i was since four years emmett old.
0: smith and deon sanders and Troy Aikman and michael Irvin were destroying the league yeah well seeing you how I would come to Texas
2: quite a bit to visit all my family that was down here. But I I
1: always knew I was from Texas. It's just Colorado was what I knew. Uh, The Broncos have always been my second favorite team. My dad was a diehard Oilers fan, and I couldn't stand them. I started (laughs) playing football when I was six. (laughs) And I played quarterback. And that was during, you know, Aikman and Emmett and everything else. So, I've been a Cowboys fan since I can remember. My dad always hated it because he was an Oilers fan. But to this day, I say it's because he wouldn't stop singing that ridiculous Oilers song (laughs) back
0: in the day. Well, at least you're not a a Texans fan because you guys have the uh, MVP for most hand jobs received, allegedly, playing for Houston. (laughs) Yeah, that's freaking nuts. Now, the Texans...
1: i don't pay much attention to them i don't care for them i don't really care about what's going on with them but it's funny the texans fans down here have a little brother syndrome Bad. it's almost like a A a&m and the ut rivalry i mean when you think of college football in texas you don't think of texas a&m
0: no right exactly dude so
1: it's very one-sided rivalry
0: i couldn't believe that i as a broncos fan i like three months ago campaigning for deshaun watson like trade the franchise away trade the next three drafts away for deshaun watson like that's all that matters and then as soon as the guy's like i'm no longer playing for the texans they're like well okay well your career is done now and you might go to prison
1: oh it's crazy that's i was my dad's a big texans fan I was just laughing at him too. I was like, I bet y'all wish you would have fielded some of those trade offers now.
0: Yeah, no shit. Dak's looking pretty good right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'll take a one-legged Dak over that.
0: (laughs) Dude, that is... See, and that's a tough life to live too. Being a Cowboys fan, before the last... I live in Missouri, so now everybody is a Chiefs fan and everybody loves the Chiefs. Everybody's always been a Chiefs fan. But when the Rams were here and Kurt Warner was winning Super Bowls or going to the Super Bowl, there were a lot of Rams fans hanging out around here. But uh, that's how it was as a Chiefs fan forever, man. Just like, oh, this is the year. My buddies are always delusional. Like, oh, this is going to be our year. This is going to be our year. My buddy had a super in-depth conversation, debate with me about how the Chiefs, how Peyton Manning would love to go to the Chiefs, how it makes so much sense for him to go to the Chiefs. And I was like, that's never going to happen, bro. Never going to And then he comes to the Broncos, and I was like, ha-ha. You know, you have to listen to him try to tear down Peyton Manning going to the Broncos. They're like, yeah, but he's not that good. I'm like, you just wanted him three months ago. So that's like being a Cowboys fan, you know, like – Everybody you everybody watches the Cowboys. You either oh, want yeah, them you to love win them or you hate them. Yeah, so you want to see them lose.
1: It cracks me up too cuz that's exactly I mean what it comes down to. It, they're essentially what the Yankees are in baseball. It's
0: except the Yankees win. A
1: salary cap.
0: The Yankees win though.
1: Oh, I know. It's nuts. And the Cowboys are the most valuable sports franchise in the world. Like, that was crazy whenever that first happened years back. That I couldn't believe they were more valuable than, like, Manchester United because soccer fans and teams are crazy in these other countries
0: because that's all they have. The problem with that is I think that there's so many popular teams in a country because they have a hundred different leagues that they can play in is that you take a population of England. I don't know what the population of England is, but we're 330, 350 million in America. Whereas England, I, I might sound really stupid, but I can't imagine them being over a hundred million, like maybe 50 million. And then you divide that between their local teams. Cause they're all so close to each other that like you might have half, of England, their favorite team's Man and another one's, you know, this other team. I I don't follow soccer. I'm really uneducated. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's so many different teams in such a small area. And then people from France are like, well, this English team isn't my favorite team. This French team is my favorite team because, you know, F the English. I'm from France. Yeah, I I don't know
1: anything about soccer either other than I can't watch it. And, that their fans are pretty crazy like right now it's all over ESPN I guess that they're creating a super league or something and the only reason I know anything about that is because they were saying how if Jerry Jones had the opportunity to make a super league with the other six NFL teams that people actually
0: watch religiously he would have done it years ago Yeah. yeah well and see Jerry Jones is a whole nother one he needs to come back to Springfield and uh hand the reins over and just keep funding the team
1: yeah that's a whole different conversation there it'll Mm. never
0: happen you know that that's his family his dad lives up or his dad lived up here in springfield forever he has like a big ass ranch right outside springfield oh i believe it yeah they're uh it's pretty crazy i didn't know that for a long time that him and jimmy johnson were teammates back in the day yeah at arkansas yep Yep, one, Arkansas is like only national title or something like I'm not from Arkansas, and this is a duck hunting podcast, so I'm sure we're I'm going to get destroyed for saying anything bad about Arkansas, but I, I think that's their only national title.
1: Uh, I don't know. You got me. I, I know that they played together there, and that was how they had met, but the biggest mistake Jerry Jones ever did has made was letting Jimmy Johnson go.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how are you going to take the dude that – he might be one of the, like, you think of all-time winningest coaches. You think of, you know, Bear Bryant and Saban and Bill Belichick and stuff like that. But freaking Jimmy Johnson from the early 80s to the mid-90s has to be up there. Like, Miami so, dominance.
1: Belichick came from uh, Jimmy Johnson's lineage. I mean, that he was an assistant coach under Jimmy Johnson. He still goes every year to go spend you know, like weeks or months at a time with Jimmy Johnson, still to this day he's mentoring
2: him.
0: Yeah. Well and the dude just he had a different mindset. He was a player's coach. He's like, yeah, you guys do whatever you want. Just show up to play on Sunday.
1: See and with him, it was do your job. A lot of the same things that you hear about Belichick, like there's so many stories you hear about Jimmy Johnson still it just cracked me up. I mean he had a player that wasn't running he said something to him he told him he had asthma he told him take his ass to the asthma field
0: (laughs) that's freaking hilarious yeah
1: he but he knew how to motivate his players and they played for him and that's something i think is lost these days
0: yeah well it's going to be interesting to see what belichick does here this next couple years that uh old tommy terrific now has won a super bowl with uh a completely different city franchise. I mean, he's bringing his whole Patriots team down to New England, or down to Tampa, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what Belichick is able to do because I cannot believe that he's going to ride with Cam Newton for another year. Yeah, I, th- I would keep
1: your eye on what they do in the draft. <laughs> I would venture to say that if you're going to see them trade up, it's going to be in this draft, and they grab a quarterback that they've had their eye
0: on. Well, you know that Belichick is huge friends with Nick Saban out of Alabama, and he really likes Mac Jones.
1: Yep, and that would be my guess. Even if they don't – you get a guy like that, you can get him without having to give up a ton to move up high in the first round, going after somebody like Justin Fields or
0: the other guys that you think will be there in a later pick. Well, that's the problem is the Niners – want mac jones and they traded up to number three or at least that's what everybody's assuming and they gave up the world to go up to number three so who knows what's left over because denver needs a quarterback too denver freaking drew Locke, is a missouri kid but they're freaking terrible and uh that's one of the big things is they're worried about new england jumping denver to try to grab Justin Fields or something like that which I'm not sold on Justin Fields Trey Lance at all I'm not going to be disappointed if they take him if he's there but I'm not sold on it I'm
1: with you too I don't know it'll be interesting to see what happens I'm hoping that Jerry pulls off a trade with Atlanta for number four to where we can get Kyle Pitts
0: dude that's going to be insane if
1: If if, we land Kyle Pitts that offense is going to be ridiculous.
0: He's going to have to give up the world to get Pitts, though, because I think Atlanta really (laughs) likes Kyle Pitts.
1: Well, Atlanta just brought in two tight ends this offseason, too, though. They're pretty stacked at tight end.
0: They'll be gone if Kyle Pitts comes there.
1: That's true, too. And I mean, if you stack up, the the Cowboys receiving core is already ridiculous with Gallup, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb. It, It is a necessity, but I would much rather grab Kyle Pitts than a lot of these other names that are out there.
0: Well, yeah, it's it's kind of that uh, that old-school mindset of you get the best thing you possibly get, figure out everything else later. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, um, you guys need a cornerback really, really bad, but between corner and Kyle Pitts, like, Kyle Pitts is the best player in the draft. I think so, too. Yeah, it'll be uh, pretty wicked, man. It's uh, late... Late April, roughly. We had snow yesterday. Dude, it was 72 on Monday, and then it snowed like an inch and a half yesterday out of nowhere. And now it's like I had to start the fireplace today because it was 52 when I woke up in the house this morning. It was ridiculous. So I got the fireplace going, but uh, it's almost May, which means Colapalooza is coming around. You said you were heading up there the second half of the week
1: yeah i'll be there thursday through sunday
0: you went up here you went last year too didn't you
1: nope uh i was planning on it and then last minute i wasn't able to make it so this will actually be the first one that i'm gonna be uh, attending
0: yeah because last year was in march or some crazy sh- it happened while i was in new orleans i think
1: I, I want to say it's typically in March. I know it was right after NWTF.
0: Yeah, they bounced it back. Have you heard? Didn't you submit calls for NWTF? I have not seen a single anything with it for since like January.
1: Uh, I made calls for it, but no, I haven't heard anything. Actually, I messaged Brianna a couple months ago, and she ha- didn't know anything as far as dates yet, just that they would announce it when they figure it out.
0: Did you already have to mail them off?
1: No, I haven't mailed anything off.
0: Weird. Yeah, that's that's a so. really weird thing for that not to not to have any kind of answer. They, they said they were trying to do it online or something like that?
1: Yeah, and I think that the logistics with that are probably going to take a little bit to figure out, but I, I'm kind of lost with it, too. I don't know exactly what their plan is or how or really anything. I know they're trying to figure it out themselves.
0: Yeah. I have not even thought about it until you just brought it up and I was like, Man, I forgot. NWTF was supposed to happen like two and a half months ago. Like on a normal year.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't know how they're gonna do it. I know it was supposed to be all online, but now things are starting to open back up again, so I don't know if that's gonna change anything. I don't know anything.
0: Are right, you I guys guess. are completely open Let's down see. there, aren't you? Oh
1: Yo, yeah yeah we completely opened months ago which in the county i live in they never did a mask mandate it, even when harris county had tried to do it our judge which harris county's houston um the judge that's over the county i live in just flat out said no i'm not gonna force anyone to wear masks Dude, so, but other parts of texas were that way
0: yeah well you figure especially being around you know houston which is uh you know, a mixture. It's a purple city. You know, you got a lot of conservatives, a lot of liberals. That was the uh, nice thing about being in Missouri. We have a mask mandate until the end of this month, but nobody follows that. Nobody enforces it. They, I mean, like if I go in somewhere, I'll put on a mask if I'm with my girlfriend because she works for the school and we're in a town of 20,000 outside of Springfield. So, Anytime we go to Walmart or something like that, she'll see, like, five or six kids we know. So we'll wear it just so she doesn't catch crap for not wearing it out in public. But, like, nobody cares about that type of stuff. Missouri just uh, had some kind of settlement last month when Biden was talking about all the gun regulations and stuff to where they said anything that uh, impinges on the Second Amendment or something like that, they will not enforce throughout the state or some crap like that. So, yeah, it's kind of nice living in a little bit of a conservative state with stuff.
1: Yeah, for the most part, Texas is pretty conservative. I mean, if you go to Austin, it's pretty much the only liberal city that we've got, and that's kind of their thing. I mean, there's shirts everywhere when you get into Austin that people wear that says, Keep Austin Weird. It's very, you know, art-driven I mean, you see homeless people doing paintings and weird stuff on the streets. It's a cool city.
0: It's a completely city, different place. It's a cool it city. It is.
2: I enjoy it.
0: Yeah. It's not one I'd want to live in, but it's uh, it's very, very interesting. I don't know. I, I can't even say that I wouldn't want to live there. I'd want to live there until it came time to, like, you know, taxes and different rules and crazy crap that they implement. It's kind of like, you know, Kansas City. Kansas City's cool, but there's some weird regulations that go along with places like that.
1: Yeah, I mean I've been going to Austin forever and so it's it's always an interesting place. You get some people to get upset with it because they're from places like I am from Texas and it, Austin's different. But if you accept it for what it is and just enjoy your time there and not try and get upset because it's different than everywhere else in Texas you can have a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, like we said earlier, Texas is a big state. Like if you don't, if you don't like something, you have eighteen hours. You can drive in one direction, and be somewhere, be in you know, damn near Mexico. If you go out to West Texas. Oh yeah, and it's one of the few states that
2: I mean, you can drive all over it, and the landscape's completely different in four
1: different places of it.
0: Yeah, dude, it, it is. Uh, we had one year that we went on vacation down there, down uh by South Padre, and it was i don't know august and we were camping like the longest week of my life because i'm too young to go anywhere and go drinking or anything cool and it was like it's 105 every single day it's desert we went through you know north of dallas all the woodlands and stuff like that and it's like well you got the ocean but then it's real real hot right outside as soon as you step out there's no wind it uh you get all the different climates, there.
1: Eh? Oh, yeah. See, and I'm an hour from Galveston, so we have the humidity of the beach and then the normal Texas heat, so it'll be 105, and the heat index, or what it feels like, it's like 115, 120. I mean, it gets
0: pretty brutal in the summers here. Dude, it's different. I can handle dry heat. The humid heat
2: it just kills you.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's different, man. It is hot is hot but when you start making that air thick it is uh it's wild did you have any like there was a bunch of flooding this year down there wasn't there
1: yeah there was i mean you got some places that's part of it is just weather in texas i mean we can be you know no rain for a month and then flood within three days or two days sometimes a single day it just depends on how fast it comes down (laughs) it's The rain here, when it comes down heavy, it comes down heavy, and the ground will get saturated pretty quick, so it just can't go anywhere. The ground's not soaking it up fast enough, and it's just not draining quick enough. I've been lucky. I've never flooded, even during Harvey when, you know, half the city of Houston was underwater. I had a bunch of my neighbors, even three houses down, that got like a foot of water in their house. And I didn't have any water to get close to mine, so I've always been lucky there. But yeah, it whenever uh, duck season was going on, was wearing a lot
0: of that. Yeah. Well, that's a uh, that's fortunate for where you live at than in your own neighborhood for not having to deal with it.
1: Yeah, it, it's just one of those things. I mean, the area I'm in is developing so quick with uh, the town that. I live in, was just rated the number one place in the US to live this last year. And so it's been exploding around here just the last five years, how much stuff's been built. And the problem with that is they build everything up. Stuff that's been here for years now is getting water coming in that they never had to deal with before.
0: It's wild, dude. So you said you're coming up here and you're going to hang out with Ronnie here in the next couple weeks like what are you guys doing down there are you are you gonna do any uh of the demonstrations or anything like anybody else are you just coming up there drink beer hang out and blow calls
1: i'm just coming to experience it i haven't done it yet so (laughs) it'll be more just getting to meet some a lot of people i mean me and you have talked for i don't know how long now and we talk quite a bit, but even you and I have never met in person. Yeah, man. So it'll be nice
2: to actually get to hang out with people I talk to, you know, daily that I consider good friends that I've never actually met in person. Yeah,
0: it it's going to be a, uh, a very wild time. Like, it's just, it's cool. And, it, you know, it's close enough that everybody can get together and do some of that stuff. And if you're hanging out with freaking Ronnie, then, you know, it's going to get a little sideways.
1: Yeah, no, I had a blast hanging out with Ronnie last time I was in Arkansas. Yeah, that was <coughs> it's two seasons ago now, I guess, two years. So Ronnie's always a good time, but it'll be fun to get out there too. And, just, and so I'm going to be enjoying myself and kind of relaxing. I'm going to try and at least bring a handful of calls with me <coughs> just for people that may want them while I'm there. But I'm not planning on... You know, getting a booth, or I don't want to turn it into just work.
0: No, no, not at all. Especially if you're bringing the new lady up. Yeah, she's not going to put up with that crap.
1: I was surprised she wanted to go. It's we we're flying into Little Rock on Thursday because we were going to drive, but it's like a nine hour drive, and that drive's pretty boring. So I did that last time. I don't want to spend two days essentially just driving to be there for two days
0: yeah no way man i uh when we were talking about it last year and it was right when everything was getting ready to kick off we were talking about canceling our new orleans trip and i was like well if we cancel it i'm still gonna go to arkansas and my old lady was like well have fun by yourself then i'm not going (laughs) i was like you're from arkansas and she's like yeah but i don't want to go down there to listen to duck calls for two days
1: see i figured that was gonna be how she felt about it but she's actually interested with the call world and just learning about it i actually drug her out hunting this year
0: <laughs> i asked like i'll tune inside the house and stuff like that and she never says anything like about me you know running calls in the house and stuff and doesn't care about it and i was like doesn't that ever like drive you nuts or maybe my mom was over and asked her about it and she's like it just sounds like money to me <laughs> and i was like well that's a good way to look at it
1: See, and I've been surprised that it hadn't drove her nuts, but she'll be sitting, that's because my shop was a garage that was converted, uh, so my living room's on the back side of one of the walls, and she'll sit in there, and all of a sudden, I'll get on Snapchat or something, and it'll be a 45-second long video of just the TV, but all you hear is a duck call in the background, <laughs> Whatever I'm in there tuning them.
0: Like, yep, and they're ruining another show. Hold on, let me put my freaking AirPods in. (laughs) But even, like,
1: when Brad was there, I think she stayed in the shop with us until, 1 o'clock in the morning, just hanging out, and it's definitely, I wasn't expecting it, but she's interested in it, and I enjoy it.
0: Well, that's good, man. She's keeping you from uh, getting too buck wild on the weekends. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that too <laughs> having too much fun too fast
1: yeah no it, things have slowed down since last year <laughs> so
0: that's been good good man good I'm glad for you well brother I appreciate you jumping on here today man it feels like i said the right way to kick this thing back off and uh i'll see you in a few weeks man
1: yeah also i'm looking forward to it.
0: All right, man. Well, uh, I hope you have a good rest of the day. Get back to work and get some stuff knocked out.
1: All right, brother. Take care.
0: All right, you too, man. All right. Later. Bye. Mr. Channing Korea, back with the uh, the Duck Call Chronicles, or COVID Chronicles, whatever we want to call it. Um, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, you're still hanging out. Hopefully, you guys enjoy this thing being fired back up. I have to... Get off here. Work on some calls. Hit up some other call makers to fill up this schedule, so that way I can uh, try to stick to these one a week. If you want to hit me up and look at a call, jump on unstable calls on Instagram and uh, look up Korea, Korea custom call, Korea calls on Instagram. I feel really bad right now. Hold on, let me pull it up. Take a second or two. I want to get the right one. Um, if you want to get Channing, a call from Channing, it is Korea Custom Calls. So uh, look him up on Instagram and uh, get on his wait list. Yeah, have a good one.